This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, Cedar Valley, and hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show here on AM 950, KOEL, and KOEL.com. Here with Ethan Petrick from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Joining us once again, my name is Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media. So, meeting of the football, UNI football and basketball minds once again today. The Panthers, they just fell to 1-3 and three in basketball after that loss to Grand Canyon. And of course, the, the football team missed the FBS, or excuse me, FCS playoffs uh, to this 2022 year. So, uh, a frustrating last 72, 80, whatever, 96, 96, that's the number, 96 hours for the, for the Panthers and, and UNI fans. And uh, Ethan and I are gonna gonna break it all down here today. Ethan, of course, uh, a beat writer for the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, covering you and I sports. So, Ethan, first of all, thanks for hopping on again. We appreciate you coming down. Much appreciated. Uh, anyway, Ethan, you and I talked earlier this season about you and I football, um, and that's actually our most popular podcast. So, if you missed it, um, that's from earlier this season after that Illinois State. Uh, lost by by the Panthers that that game we talked about again really frustrating third down issues were a big deal in that one um, but after that game you and I flipped the script went four and one finished the season six and two over the last eight games um, their only loss over that last five games was to number one South Dakota State Ethan with where you're at uh, what you're thinking right now for you and I like what else could they have done to make the playoffs at this point there's there's a list of things but I, I want to see if you maybe have thought of something that the general public you and I fans are, or I haven't thought of I honestly don't think that there's much else that they could have done yeah uh, I, I mean you look at it and Farley knew it as soon as that uh, that field goal went through against the Jackrabbits uh, he, he talked to us he's like hey we knew we knew this was a one that could uh be a big one for us and they, they didn't get it done it felt like the entire game like they were going to pull it out and they didn't uh so i'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure what else you could have done w- without changing the results of that specific game um it, even reworking the schedule putting all six wins in a row starting zero and five i still think that they dig themselves too big a hole uh, and if you mix up all of the if they don't start zero and three you mix up those losses i don't think, think reworking the schedule is going to change it if all the results stay the same so i i just I, I feel bad for him because you could feel like talking to him on Saturday after the game. Uh, Bryce and uh, Matt Cook, they both felt like they'd, they'd done enough. They, they both felt like they were going to do some damage in the playoffs if they got in. Farley, he was a little bit more, you know, he's been around, around a little bit longer. He kind of had an idea for, uh, you know, maybe this isn't going to be enough. Um, but I, I still think that there was some hope in Farley that they had they had shown what they needed to. Yeah, I mean, they blew the doors off South Dakota. And, you know, if they did that to a team that had shown some level of being competitive during the season, I, I think that that might have changed things. But, I mean, they beat SIU at home, you know, like that. There was no way for them to 
to get into the playoffs, if that wasn't good enough, if the near loss to South Dakota State wasn't good enough, you have to go back to the the loss to North Dakota. You have to go back to the loss to Illinois State because you win one of those games, you're probably in. They beat South. If they beat South Dakota State, if that missed field goal, uh, it, it, you know, there's no leaping penalty, and they win in overtime, they're in the playoffs. Like there's no there's no question about it to me. Well, I mean, at that point, you're starting to look at and compare their resume to other resumes of teams that are at 7-4. And I think the team that fell squarely in my crosshairs is uh, the <laughs> Montana Grizzlies, uh, being from the state of Montana. I mean, I got Montana till I die in my Twitter bio. I mean, if you were watching College Game Day, that's the big thing that the Grizz like to say. Um, I, I mean, I was a, I'm a, I was a Grizz fan growing up, and they had no business being in the playoff over you and I, in my opinion. Uh, I, I'm sure we can get into the, uh, the Grizz's resume later on and how it stacks up to you and I's. But, um, yeah, I just it just felt like uh, beating down on South Dakota was going to be enough. And that was a surprise of the South Dakota uh, fans and, the, and the, the writers there that I was talking to. Because before the game, I said, you know, I think you and I is going to win by three scores. And they, they thought that that was too big they thought it was going to be a one score game and, and what South had a real shot and i was like yeah i don't know about that i don't have, know about that have you watched you and i football over the last like five weeks like you know it's just one of those um but uh i mean i didn't think it was going to be like it was like we saw that was just i mean i tweeted it out you probably saw it i said theo day these guys have families yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it was it was just absolute domination from the get-go well and i'm sure you had the exact same thought that i had and you're sitting there thinking you know hey they needed to beat south dakota and they needed to beat south dakota bad this is exactly what they needed to do in the first half like this is exactly what they needed to do if they were going to get in the playoff and so i i think that win almost set false expectations because at that point you're like oh there's no way they leave them out now well, I mean, like literally just the eye test over the last however many weeks, that's a football team. That's a playoff football team. I, I saw some people saying on Twitter that they look like they're a top 10 team in the country. I might not go that far. I would say they, I mean, they obviously took number one SDSU right down to the very end. So you know, they're, they're competitive. Granted, that was also at home. So uh, they could have really made some noise. I, I don't know that they go in, you know, maybe they have a chance to upset like a number eight Holy Cross who doesn't really play a whole lot of competitive teams. But, you know, I, I don't know that they go in and, and beat like a North Dakota State in that that first round of the or that second round of the playoffs, excuse me. But they would have had a real opportunity to shock some people for sure. I think you're selling them short a little bit. Uh, you look at the top two overall seeds. The, the committee picked Sacramento State and South Dakota State. And I went back when I was doing my season follow story that ran yesterday. They had the ball with a chance to take the lead against both of those teams in the fourth quarter of that ball game against uh, against Sacramento State. They're trailing when they get the ball. It's about the 13-minute mark of the fourth quarter is when they get, they get an offensive possession. They get a couple first downs, end up punting it away, and um, Sacramento State scores a touchdown and then, Theo throws that pick to make it look way worse than it actually was. And then against South Dakota State, the game's tied. They got the ball with a minute and a half to go. Uh, you get a couple of first downs, get into field goal range, and Matthew Cook can you know send you to the playoffs. So I, I think you're selling them a little bit short. I think they could have done some serious damage in the playoffs, and that's exactly what Matt Cook and Bryce Flater both told me. They said, hey, if if we get in, we're not going to disappoint. So I, I, I think that you and I would have been a very dangerous playoff team, definitely more so than the Grizzlies. 
<laughs> yeah, and touche. You know, uh, this is the the track record that I know for UNI football is they, you know, maybe squeak in and make a little bit of noise, but you know, they don't necessarily go any further than that quarterfinal. Granted, the last time that happened, they they went to South Dakota State and beat South Dakota State. That was the uh, Will McIlvain game where that season they lost to South Dakota State thirty eight to seven, and then went to Brookings and won I think like thirteen to ten, and it was like negative five degrees. So. You know, and maybe, you know, I maybe you're right. Uh, we'll never know. We will never know, at least not this season. Yeah, that's. I think that's the biggest the biggest L of the entire thing is that you're, you're sitting there, you're like, you know, hey, the defense clearly has things figured out. Oh, and yeah, yeah. With, with the way they played against South Dakota, it's like, hey, this this uh, defense has got – they know they, they know what they're doing now. Uh, this is not the defense that allowed Zach Anikstead to scramble for a first down on like three straight third downs. Right. Uh, when Illinois I mean, State was in the, in the dome. So Bowman's he was a three star recruit transfer from Iowa State. Like he's not a slouch. Uh, yeah, and that that's the thing. I mean, this was it's not like they were playing Utah Tech again. This was a right. Valley team that you know at one point was receiving votes. Like they they beat Southern Illinois and were in the receiving votes category at one point this season. Um, I think and like fell out after losing by three to the number one team in the country. Yeah, it was like South Dakota was like five, week five, six. They were receiving votes. They played uh, South Dakota State tough. Oh, I, I had things mixed around, but yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, they, they, they played <laughs> okay. South Dakota State tough. And so, I mean, this is a team that was respected at one point by the, the national media and just kind of fell out of favor because their season didn't work out. And you and I just put the boots to them. And USD had a brutal schedule, too. I mean, like, yeah, Montana, ultimately not very good. But when you have that resume of what they've been before and you go to Missoula, there's a mental factor in there. They were a top five team. It's like, oh, crap, are we going to be able to do anything in this game? And then they only beat them 24 to seven. And then you and I beats the brakes off of them and doesn't get in the playoffs, which I, I saw your screenshot of the box score that you put on Twitter. I was like, get them, Ethan. Let's go. Well, I mean, it's it, in South Dakota. They were coming off of a 34 to zero beat down from Kansas State. So they had gone on the road to Manhattan, Kansas, get beat down, and then they immediately go up to Missoula to play a top-five team in the FCS, and they play them fairly tough. And I, I think that was probably the first time that the Montana uh, offense got exposed a little bit because that, that that's not a playoff offense. And I think that's the biggest problem that I have with it is you look at what they did against uh, outside of Sacramento State who kind of just quit quits playing defense after they get a big lead. Um, that was the only top... 25 team that Montana managed to get over 250 yards against during that three three game losing streak that they were on and then they go out and lay a giant goose egg in their rivalry matchup the game you expect them to get up for right before the playoff selection I'm like you leave that sour taste in the mouth of the committee and they still put you in it's it's and then give you a home game that's Granted, bids, you know, yeah, money has a yeah. huge factor into that. And, and Montana, if there's an FCS school that does have investment from the fans and, and including money, that's that's one of them. But, yeah, get absolutely slaughtered, slaughtered by a rival school with college game day there, and they still put you in. And, like, the thing about that to me is, again, I saw this this from people on Twitter, fans on Twitter saying, why are you tweeting or treating Montana like they're historically a powerhouse and giving them this roster spot, or this, this playoff spot rather, and not doing the same thing for UNI, who is historically a very good program, and in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, putting three teams from the SEC of the FCS in the playoffs is an absolute travesty. Well, it's a, it's a low since 2018. That's the it's insane. It's the fewest teams that have got, gotten in from the valley, 
And I think if you're looking at it, it's like if you're Youngstown State, I feel you. I think you're almost feeling even more gyp than you and I because they go out, finish seven and four, get a win against Southern Illinois to end the season, and they finish just as hot as anyone else uh, in in FCS, and they get left out as well. I mean, I'm looking at it because when Farley told me on Saturday that he thinks the Valley is a four bid league, I'm thinking, well, and he he's like, who you know, who else is going to get in over us? And I'm like, well, Youngstown State's got a pretty nice resume too. And at that point, I was thinking. Heck, five Valley teams isn't out of the question. And then they come in with three, and I'm just I, I just was scratching my head on sitting on the couch on Sunday. I just couldn't believe the the committee didn't respect the 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 Valley, but respected the CAA that much. Yeah. The CAA golly, dude. But like and it's kind of the similar argument for Youngstown that is being made against you and I. Youngstown doesn't have a signature win. They lost thirty one to zero against Kentucky. They lost twenty seven to fourteen to North Dakota State. They lost thirty five to thirty to North Dakota. And they lost 25-22 to Missouri State. If they beat Missouri State, they have more of an argument. But losing to that Missouri State team this year, who you and I, again, absolutely throttled uh, towards the middle of the season, I just don't know how Youngstown State squeaks in there. Because their best win is probably Southern Illinois, as I have it right here. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely not Duquesne, Dayton, or Western Illinois, or Indiana State. And they barely beat Indiana State. They beat Western Illinois by one. Well, so, but you know, record. I hear yeah, you at yeah. the same time, and they ended and they ended hot too. And that's and that's where you kind of see where Farley's coming from. Like, who's getting in over us? You know, right? The eye test is going to put you and I in over a Youngstown State, but still, neither of those teams made it in. So we we shouldn't waste our breath talking Touché. comparing yeah. those two. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really. And I'm sitting here thinking about UC Davis too. They had another. They had a really nice season, and they're in the same conference as Montana, and Montana gets in. If you can't tell, I'm really upset about this Montana pick. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, to boot, clearly the committee has shown over and over and over again that strength of schedule does not matter because you look at some of the, like, I mean, yeah, UNI has t- took it down to the wire in almost all of their losses. They lost to the number one team and the number two team in the country narrowly. Mm-hmm. How do you not factor that in? How is that not taken into consideration? And I mean, like, if if you and my problem here is more so it's with both. It's with the committee and with the with essentially with David Harris, who I like very much. I've talked with David quite a few times. He's he's a he's a great guy. He's joined me for my radio show when I was in college doing nothing on Clough and Q Sports Talk. Uh, again, you're listening to Cornstalks and Sports Talk, by the way, here on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Me, Elliot Clough, you and I insider talking with you and I beat writer from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, uh, Ethan Petrick. Why continue to schedule these crazy difficult games that you don't have to when you can throw another Utah Tech onto the schedule? When you can throw another cupcake on the schedule, move to seven and four, eight and three, what have you, and it's and basically get a playoff bid because you have more wins despite the lack of of difficulty on the schedule. And you have a difficult schedule because you play in the Missouri Valley Football Conference and you're gonna play an FBS team every year, at least one. You're you're zeroing in on the Air Force game here. Is that is that what you're talking about? The Air Force game that you and I play more so Sacramento State. Okay, which well, that's that's a conference thing, but yeah. like which I understand. But I, I yeah, I guess I suppose the Air Force game too. Um, yeah. Well, I, at this point, you're kind of hoping that eventually, you know, it, the stars align and you get like a Northern Colorado out of the Big Sky MV uh, MVFC challenge. But the Air Force game, that's the one that you can control. Right. And and you're looking at it's like 
Man, I, I don't even think getting rid of the Air Force game is the biggest problem with this schedule. I think the biggest problem is getting North Dakota week two. Because if you get a Utah yeah. Tech week two and you have a cupcake to you know get back into co- uh, covering passes again, that's one of the things that uh, Farley said he, <laughs> he he they needed to do. Uh, if if you can get that the Trailblazers in week two, I think this season's completely different. And I think that's one of the biggest issues. And I asked, I, I identified it before the season started. I asked Farley, I said. Hey, you get North Dakota week two. This is a really early start to your conference schedule, one of the earliest in your tenure. Um, what do you do? You prefer to have an early start to your conference schedule? And he said, "Oh, I don't. It's it's not going to matter." Well, I think it mattered significantly. Yeah. Looking at it, because like, North Dakota is a good football team, but you play a Utah Tech, and that gives you an opportunity to not worry so much about the triple option you prepared for three months for. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which is we heard a lot of that from from Coach Farley this season. Yeah, and and the biggest thing is you look at that North Dakota game, and it's not even like you and I played bad. It, Matt Cook hits a field goal in his second game with a new long, uh, his third long snapper, and his yeah. s- second holder, as Farley likes to let us know. And <laughs> it's a it's a it's a win, and that's a win against a playoff team, and you and I's probably in. And so you're just looking at it like this this was a playoff team, and it just didn't work out. Schedule was a disaster for them. Uh, special teams just getting that figured out early in the season was a tough break for them and then just getting you know the number two team in the country week three uh to finish off a a a three-game losing streak it's just it's brutal if they get sacramento state you know the same week that they played uh not illinois state but you know, they get them later in the season. I think that they fare better against the Hornets. We're talking with Ethan Petrick from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk this morning, Saturday morning. And uh, my name is Elliot Clough. You and I insider for Town Square Media. We're going to head to break. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more you and I football as the season has ended. Our thoughts there and then stick around because we're talking you and I basketball. Their season just started. They dropped one in three, oh, and three against D1 competition. Stay right here on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL for more corn stocks and sports talk without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're going to go right back to it. All right. Because this is a podcast. This is for YouTube. Uh, we're just going to hop right back in. Um, and we're back here on AM950KOEL and KOEL.com with me, Elliot Clough. You and I inside for Town Square Media. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Elliot Clough. We're joined by Ethan Petrick today on AM950KOEL and KOEL.com, talking you and I football and basketball as you and I snub from the FCS playoffs and uh, you and I basketball struggling to start the season one and three. Again, Ethan Petrick, you and I beat writer from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier on with us. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Ethan underscore Petrick. So we're going to end up going a little bit longer than than I presumed, and uh, we're going to get all three segments in on, on Saturday's show for sure. That's definitely what I want to do. But with talking a little bit about UNI football, and and missing the the FCS playoffs, we do. There's one player that I don't think we have even mentioned his name so far, and we're a full segment in, and that's Theo Day. 
You, you got you got him in once in the did I yeah oh I I forgot about it but Theo Day who I mean you weren't you weren't around at all for football season last year were you well no I was still in Nebraska right okay this is a completely different football player than we saw last season you know you throw in the offensive coordinator switch the 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 completely different system that's his I think third or fourth offensive coordinator in three or four years and. You throw in the fact that he's been around, you know, been on campus, been able to get a little more comfortable with teammates, learn guys' tendencies, but also adding in, you know, some unfamiliar faces in like Desmond Hudson and and switching things up a little bit on the offensive line, no longer having Trevor Penning. Theo Day, if he's not the best quarterback in the FCS, I'm going to hand that to Lindsey Scott or, or to Shadur Sanders from Jackson State, Lindsey Scott from UIW, who was phenomenal this season. Theo Day is a top five quarterback in the FCS. I am just absolutely shook at what he was able to do this season. Some of the throws, I mean, I'm sitting next to you and Cole Bear up in the press box, and we're supposed to be unbiased journalists, and I couldn't help but be like, oh my God, and put my hands out and touch both of you guys, just like, oh my Lanta. Um, thoughts on Theo Day's season, man. Like, how is he, how would he not be MVFC Offensive Player of the Year? Well, I mean, we went from quarterback controversy, quarterback battle in, <laughs> yeah, in camp yeah. to uh, wow. To, I mean, we, we're we're a, we're a far cry away from even anticipating a quarterback battle uh, next year uh, if Day's still in the building. I mean, that that's where we're at. It's it's is Theo did Theo Day play his way out of you and I? I Unfortunately, that, that's probably yeah. my biggest concern. That's how impressed I was with him. And I mean, there. I've watched a lot of bad football and a lot of bad quarterback play being a Nebraska fan growing up. <laughs> and I've never had the sort of confidence I've had watching Theo Day in that he's just going to make every throw and he's not going to make that terrible, terrible mistake. I think his worst his worst mistake, I think he threw four interceptions this year, four or five interceptions. Six. Six, okay. He threw six interceptions this year, but I think the, the one mistake he took was taking a sack on the final play against Illinois State. That's the one thing you can point to and say, yeah, that was a mistake that Theo Day made. And that that's just how good he's been. That taking a sack was the worst thing he's done all season. Uh, every every game, you just knew he was going to get get his, and and you were going to walk away with a with a a good impression of him. So I, I I've just been really impressed and really stunned with you. Three or four of those interceptions off the hands of receivers. Two from Logan Wolf. One from Sergio Morency. That's I know off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. Now that that was one. Of, those were like all the early interceptions. Now they have a little bit more trust, a little bit more, right. you know, chemistry. And I asked Coach Farley about that on Saturday. It's like, hey, you know, Theo's throwing a touchdown pass to nine different receivers. Is that trust in Theo with his receivers? Like, what's what's going on there? And he he gave credit to to Coach Reader and Coach Clan and said, you know, this is a system. They built this system around the players, and these players all trust the system. So those I, hot quarters, man. Those it's hot the hot quarters. quarters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The hottest quarter in the FCS is the Sergio Morancy down the. Yeah, dude, that 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 play is incredible. I thought that was going to be their leadoff play on on Saturday. They ended up waiting until play number four for it, but it still worked <laughs> out for a sixty-two yard gain. Um, yeah, I, I ever going into every game, walking walking in from the the parking lot west of the McLeod uh, to uh, or, or south of McLeod to the the Unidome. I just sat there. I was like, yeah, is Theo going to get like two fifty or three fifty today, and then and four touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I tried to stop talking about him in my columns at the end of the year because I was like I I have just been all over this dude and I I need a, I need to pull back it's, it's getting a little much <laughs> I mean if you 
the the conversation is between him and Eric Sanders. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Eric Sanders. He's the quarterback that led them to the 2005 national championship. They had that undefeated season in 2007. Uh, he was phenomenal in his time at UNI. But some of the throws that Theo makes on the run with pressure and it's just a, like the the thing that that comes to mind. The one play that comes to mind is that throw that he made up the seam to Desmond Hudson against South Dakota State. That was the most beautiful throw I've seen probably all season. N- knowing as little as I do about Mr. Sanders, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to give the nod to Theo. <laughs> it's it's tough not to. The, the 2005 season they had uh, ter- uh, ter- Terrence, Terrence Feeney and David Horn, right. two running backs. I, no disrespect to Vance and uh, Dom. They're great running backs, but they did not use them the same right. way you and I used Freeney and Horn in 2005. So I'm going to have to give the nod to Theo. And you just look at him in the pocket, the way he can manipulate the pocket with just you know his footwork. He can step out of a sack. And Reader warned us at the beginning of the year. He warned, warned me, at least. I asked him about Theo. I was like, what, what do you like about him? He's like, well, he's, he's sneakily athletic. I think he's faster than a lot of people give him credit, credit for. And he, he could run. And he... He was a tough runner. Dude dude refused to slide. I think I saw one <laughs> baseball slide yeah, out of Theo this yeah. year. Yeah, he's he's a he's a tough guy and his awareness and and willingness to run is something that again we didn't see last year from him. It was there a little bit, but not at the level of uh, of consistency that he did this year. And coming again, I, I'm I'm comparing these two seasons because I'm just going to read you the stats right now, Ethan and and everyone listening right now. Last season Theo Day 155 completions for 2,316 yards and 16 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. This season, Theo Day, 210 completions for 3,121 yards, 26 touchdowns. I don't think that's factoring that last game, which would make it 31 touchdowns, right? Does that include that last game? I don't think it does. I'll check UNI's website. I'm I'm on UNI's website, but... Either way, twenty six versus thirty one. It's I'm I'm gonna assume it's thirty one because that's what happened last year. Is they didn't include the final game of the season in the statistics um, for whatever reason. But uh, either way, completion percentage sixty five percent this year, fifty six percent last year. I mean, this dude has taken such a leap and has improved so drastically. It's 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 honestly. Uh, probably one of the top stories in the FCS, just what he did. And the fact the fact that he won co-MVFC Offensive Player of the Year one time with two national awards is just insane to me. And they gave it to Nick Baker after you and I beat SIU. I, I have a whole lot of other beef g- given the circumstance. But this season, uh, he also ran the ball 70 times. They're probably, they, I'm assuming they're including situations where he was sacked but uh, uh for 223 yards of gain 66 loss or excuse me 157 loss so 66 net also ran for four touchdowns that touchdown against south dakota state on the option was just clutch as can be and he was just confident doing it they, they ran that read option a couple of times right it, was, it, it seems like a, a hot quarter when you get inside <laughs> the five for, yeah. uh, for coach reader and clanton right so um i mean i just he he clearly plays with a lot of confidence right right now, and I think that was what was lacking last year. Is maybe he didn't have the confidence coming in. He wasn't really you know secure in his surroundings yet in Cedar Falls. And when I I, I asked him about that before the season, he said, "Oh, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable now." And I think that comfortability in Cedar Falls allowed his confidence to grow a lot faster than maybe it did last year. And I, I'm guessing you know we were told there was a quarterback controversy, quarterback battle. I'm doubting that there was actually one in camp. 
I'm sure he knew he was the guy coming in. Well, I was told by multiple people that that was the case. And eventually what happened, again, this is what I was told. I, it's one, one source. I, I, one person told me this is that it was close and it was probably about 60-40 Theo at one point in time. And at one at, at another point, Coach Bodie Reader just took him to the side and said, look, you just calm down. Just play your game. This is you. Just go just play the way you know how to play. And then it was Theo's. 100%. And I, I it it became very apparent that it was Theo's team and he's really figured out a leadership role now too, which you don't necessarily need from your quarterback, but it's really freaking great to have as the leader of the offense. I would say any great team their quarterback's a leader. I right. I don't think you can you can be successful uh, at, at a super high level and not have a, a leader at a at the quarterback position. Uh one other thing that I, I we haven't gotten to yet uh well, we kind of did, but he's very tough. We take we saw him take multiple shots in the pocket this year, just get lit up and still make throws. Southern Illinois get gets lit up. Oh yeah, he got fumbles the ball, popped. fumbles the ball. Yeah, uh, I asked him about it after the game. He's, hey, what, 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 what was your mindset after that? You know, what were you looking for on the next next drive out? He said, "Oh, that that play just woke me up." Yeah, and I was like, "You weren't already awake? You threw you <laughs> went yeah. eight, eighteen for twenty for two hundred and fifty some yards in the in the first uh, half." Like nope, that play uh, woke me up. Same thing against South Dakota. Takes a big shot, nearly nearly fumbles. They rule it an incompletion. Comes back out on the next drive and it leads them to another field goal. And then I think leads a, a touchdown drive to cap it off. Or you know, I it, it it's it's all running together. Just how often right. uh, Theo just dominated after uh, you you're like, oh my gosh, I would not be able to come back from that. Right. Now, one last thing I want to get to on UNI football before we hit to head to our third segment, talking a little UNI basketball, because we're talking Panther football right now with with Ethan Petrick of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier here on AM nine fifty KOEL and KOEL dot com on Cornstalks and Sports Talk with me, UNI Insider for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough. Way too early to look at next year, right? But when you consider all of the seniors that are going to be moving on, and then also you just in today's world, you have to factor in the transfer portal. We don't know what's going to happen, but what we do know is I've got a list of all the guys. I went through all the guys who are going to be gone uh, this this season, at, going into next season, rather. Offense, Quan Hampton, Dion McShane, Dom Williams, Vance McShane. So those are four playmakers right there. Quan Hampton, lesser so towards the uh, middle and end of the season, but your two starting running backs and uh, Deion McShane, who made some great plays this season, and then four of your five starting offensive linemen. Eric Sorensen, Nick Ellis, Justin Piney, and Matthew Vanderslice. Then you look at the defense. Javon Brecky, Corby Sander, Benny Sapp, those are three key defensive backs that you have. And then Spencer Kuvalier, Bryce Flader. Bryce Flader and Spencer Kuvalier have been in the middle of that defense the last four years. Uh, Cordarius Bailey, who was there for the, uh, the from the transfer from Iowa State. Dylan Bowles, who was around a little bit, got some playing time, and then ended up hurt. And then you look at special teams and you lose Damian Kermitty, uh and, and then two long snappers in Isaiah Garman and Evan Noller. So some significant losses uh, going into this next season. You're going to have to see uh, a lot of guys step up. Obviously, you still have Jared Penning on the offensive line. You have Tristan Roper, who's gotten a lot of time and, and some other guys who have experience on the offensive line. But that's my number one concern because, you know, the defense, the defensive backs that you and I are traditionally one of the deeper, more talented groups. And of course, they're going to get transfers 
uh, at that part that position. They have the versatility of Edwin Dearman, who played the nickel this season, who could move back to safety. You can put one of these other guys, Penny Nowlu, in that position, or or maybe Dale Sean Staley steps up, uh, De- Dewan Mack steps up and fills those safety positions, and you leave Edwin Dearman at the nickel and move Cameron Baker to the linebacker and Penny Nowlu to that other linebacker position. Ben Belkin, obviously, going to be in there too. Um, but to me, the biggest concern is the offensive line. What, what do you think there? Well, I mean, if you look at their recent activity and in, in just the recruiting space, been a lot of JUCO offers being sent out yep. on the offensive line, yep. and a lot of JUCO offers in uh, in the secondary as well. So, I, I mean, I think they're kind of telling you what they think about um, or how they feel about their their those two rooms going forward. I think they, you know, they might feel really good about them for the future. They might really like the guys that they have in the room right now, but in the very immediate future, I think that next year they're they're not super confident in what they have coming in next year. Just based that's computer conjecture. I don't have any backing from the coaches on that. I haven't talked to anyone that said that. That's just me reading between the lines on the offers here. And so I, I think that they're a little concerned about what they can do to protect Theo next year and what they can do to stop the pass. And this is where a guy like Omar Brown, you're like, gee, I wish he didn't transfer and do nothing at Nebraska. <laughs> but uh uh yeah, you I, said it, not me. <laughs> I, I, I can say that because I'm a Nebraska fan. Exactly. He did not do anything for the Huskers this year. Sure. And, and also, I mean, transport portals starting. A couple receivers offered already. You and I are both on top of that. Uh, you a little bit more than me because you pay for an app and I don't. But <laughs> hey, you could. It's it's it's, it's six ninety nine. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but uh, it, I mean offers this morning that transfer from Colorado State. He's a guy that could come in and compete right away. It's wide receivers who they've hit so far in the in the portal, um, which to a degree is a bit surprising to me. I, I don't know if there's something that they know that we don't. I mean, Peter Udoibach hit the portal as well, that transfer from Minnesota, who thought he was going to get time this year and then was moved down to the third string right after camp. Um, we don't know about Devell Washington yet. I don't know where he's at in terms of getting back to that receiver position. Of course, Sam Schnee, of course, Desmond Hudson, um, Anybody that I'm missing right off the top. Oh, uh, Sergio Morency. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they're still going to have depth at that position, but I think what they want still is another speedy guy that can sort of fill that Dion McShane, Quan Hampton role. Because Sam Schnee's just a guy who finds the ball, but he doesn't have quite that speed, and I'm sure they want a, a punt returner, or maybe a punt returner in that position too. Well, I mean, it... it- I think that if you look at it, they've used a ton of wide receivers this year. There are some teams out yep. there that'll roll three guys and be perfectly fine with those three guys. And and those guys, you'll, you'll look at the, the stats and it'll be like 60, 50, 40, 10, 10, 10. I, that's not you and I's stats. That's that's not how they look right now. They're, they're right. using a ton of different guys. I, it seems like they have six or seven receivers that they're perfectly fine running onto the field. And I think they want to be right back at that level next year. And right now, I don't think the roster sets up for that. You mentioned some of the some of the guys that they have on the roster right now. One guy that I think is going to be really good next year is Grant Larkin. He's out of Illinois, Naperville. Yeah. He just committed about a week ago, and he's he's uh, starting classes in the spring, yep. so he'll have spring ball. Yep. So I, I think that he has a chance to be a immediate contributor if they don't want to redshirt him and keep him around for you know five years instead of four. Which traditionally, that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, but I definitely think he has the potential and the ability to to contribute right away. Uh, Terrence Kamara, uh, Kamara where, where's he at eligibility wise? I think he has three years, two, two, probably two years left. So I, I think that's a guy that's 
in line for some more playing time and special teams sure for sure he returned some kicks this yeah, year you're, you're, you're just wondering where he's at what the injury was because we didn't see him after he got hurt against southern illinois yep uh, never really got an update from farley on him so where's he at uh, is he gonna be able to be participating in spring ball and, he has three and, years left too there you go so I, I think that that could be a name that that pops up a little bit more next year outside of special teams i think he could be on the on the field and and factoring into those that seven deep at wide receiver <laughs> right nine guys on the team had 10 or more catches this season uh you throw in tight ends to alex allen's back lane Pryor. so uh and i mean obviously jaden scott's moving on but uh, yeah, there's there's some real talent still at the wide receiver position. Probably just looking to maybe fill some small gaps and and still. I mean, when there's talent like that uh, Stovall kid from Colorado State that's that they just offered, why not? And also that uh, transfer from Wagner, who was the number one rated receiver and on Pro Football Focus, why not go for it? You know. I mean, you're only going to help your team out by adding a guy like that. Right. And, and at the very worst, it goes the way of Miguel Edwards, and he contributes on special teams and then transfers or enters right. the portal halfway through the season. To his fifth school. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ethan Petrick again on with us here this morning on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. We're going to head to one more break, then we'll be back talking you and I basketball this morning on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. With me, Elliot Clough, you and I insider, Ethan Petrick, you and I beat writer from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Don't go anywhere. We have more Corn Stocks and Sports Talk. Coming up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And we're back here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk on AM 950 KOEL and KOEL.com. Me, Elliot Clough, you and I, insider for Town Square Media. I'm your host, Ethan Petrick from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. He's the UNI beat writer there. Joining us this morning, and we're talking, we just finished up talking a little bit about UNI football. If you missed any of that, you can always go back and listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, the KOEL app anywhere you get your podcasts. And now we're going to hit some UNI basketball, uh, more, more or less an instant reaction after their loss uh, today against Grand Canyon in the uh, Hall of Fame Classic. They're facing Northern Illinois on Saturday at home at 1 p.m. in the McLeod Center, another non-conference game before uh, they, they head to their conference play. Um, they'll play Bradley and Evansville before returning once again to non-conference because it's the Valley and, and things are weird like that. But... Uh, so more or less a, an instant reaction to their one and three start, the loss to Grand Canyon, like I mentioned. When you first saw them play this season, you well, first of all, you had the luxury of coming in when AJ Green and Noah Carter and Austin Fife was healthy and or to a degree at least healthy. Um, and then Trey Burhow, Taiwan Pickford, all these guys were around. And now it's a young team. And, and I, the, I remember the first thing you told me after that Dubuque game was, I don't know, I don't, I'm not that impressed so far. Granted, it's the first game of the season. They're playing a D3 school. Um, where are you at now? They're three games into their D1 schedule, 0-3 against D1 competition. Granted, pretty pretty solid competition. Grand Canyon a good program. Richmond a good program. Uh, San Francisco a good program. Where are you at now, Ethan, in, in your evaluation of UNI basketball? Well, I think if you go back all the way to uh, when I, I wrote a story way back last spring after Noah left, um, they're exactly what they what I 
was expecting them to be. Uh, a team that definitely has the talent to be successful, but doesn't have the experience yep. to be successful. Uh, and, and I think that's the biggest problem. And the play-by-play crew at CBSN, uh, for as many born identity jokes as we got during the <laughs> Hall of Flame Classic, did identify it against uh, San Francisco. Uh, San Fran, they had a lot of experience on their roster, and that's probably what led the comeback and then the ultimate you know, ceiling of that victory. A lot of transfers, too. Yeah, yeah. you know, you look at their roster, I think, uh, I think it was sophomore, junior, grad, senior, and maybe a, a, another sophomore mixed in there. Uh, vastly out experiencing <laughs> yeah. you and I just right off the, the 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 jump there, and I think that's where you and I lost that game is the experience game. Look at it up and down the roster. I think you and I probably had a more talented team than the Dons. They just didn't have it, the experience. Same thing against Grand Canyon. We've seen them come out to slow starts against Dubuque. They reportedly came out to a slow start against Wisconsin in that scrimmage. Another slow start today. They fall behind by 14. Spend the entire first half trying to get back within single digits. Don't quite get there. I think it was an 11-point lead for Grand Canyon. Yeah, something like that, 12. And then get into the second half, and they finally get it down to five at the under-four media timeout. And it's like, okay, great. You know, They're right there. Have the chance. Miss some free throws. Don't get the comeback all the way. Lose by two or lose by one, two, two. And so it's it just you can tell that there's an experience deficit on this team right now. Yep. And I don't think I don't think Austin Fife being available would necessarily be the cure all there because you're looking at it, you know, especially this weekend, it's ex- exacerbated by losing Nate Heisey, who's your most most experienced starter with 55 starts in a in a UNI uniform, uh, and you're just kind of like, you know, the, hey, this team's got the talent. We see the talent. It's just the finishing isn't there because they don't haven't learned how to finish a game yet. Right. Right, and the experience factors in in a lot of ways. That last play took too long. Yep. Um, the the free throws, especially Panthers were four of eleven today. Six, or excuse me, four of eleven yesterday. Six of twelve today. So far this season, they're thirty four of fifty nine, which is fifty seven point six percent from the stripe. That's not going to get it done, especially in these close games. Yep. yep. You, I mean. And, and the front ends of one and one. So you're not even getting the opportunity to make a second shot, make a second free throw for another added point. Um, it, it, to me, this, again, that's exactly everything you just said. Austin Fife and Nate Heisey are not the cure-all, but they sure freaking help a lot. Tell yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah and I, I mean, just a calming presence yep. even uh, at, at that point. It's like, oh, hey, this guy's been here. He's done it. You know, Pitbull, been there, done that. <laughs> and and it, Mr. It, Worldwide. <laughs> exactly. It, it's a calming presence because it's like, oh, this guy's been through it. He knows what, what to expect. I, I just need to kind of follow his lead. You know, uh, Trey Campbell, he's in his fifth fifth college game, fourth college game. He doesn't really have anyone to look to and be like, oh, this guy's, you know, he's been through it all because the entire starting five is brand new this year. Right. So I I, I, I look at Trey Campbell as his, his last three of the game there. Maybe a little bit of a rush shot there. Maybe we could have looked for a, a better opportunity. But that's a learning thing for him. He's just a right. freshman. He's going to learn that. And when he's a veteran in three years, you know, maybe he doesn't take that shot. And I, I had a little bit of conversation on Twitter about that too. Uh, Coach Jake, after the game, said he didn't hate the shot. He actually liked it. I, I didn't. And I didn't hate the shot either. I, I just thought it was a little rushed. Right. I'm right there with you. Is I don't hate it either. When you just get that steal and you have momentum. And Coach Jake thought it was good. I thought it was good when he let it go. Uh, but but he misses it, and you have an opportunity to, after getting that steal, 14 seconds left, you have an opportunity to go, all right, let's get that last shot. you know. And you have Bowen Bourne on your team. 
well, who's I, a flamethrower. I, I hate to bring up the experience thing again, but you probably don't have to burn as many timeouts with an experienced team as, as Coach That Jake too. Did. And then when you get that steal with 14 seconds left, boom, timeout, drop a play. You get, you know, you, know, you have a 14-second uh, window to to drop the perfect play. It can be as long developing as you as you need it to be to get Bowen born an open shot, and, and that probably makes the difference there. But instead, you know, you have a team that you're kind of – Still trying to figure out. You got to burn a couple of timeouts early in the game because they're losing by fourteen. Right. So I, 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 I think that's ultimately what these early season struggles are going to boil down to is just a lack of experience. And so I think this could be a very dangerous team come Valley season. I just think they're going to unfortunately miss out on the great schedule that they were able to build and get an at-large bid out of because they just can't finish games. The really frustrating part about it, too, is they're probably going to work on this chemistry and build this chemistry and and be a dangerous team come Valley time. But then you throw Austin Five, hopefully back into the lineup. You throw Nate Heisey back into the lineup, and those are two guys that are going to have the ball a lot. So that might mess with the chemistry a little bit. You always take take getting those guys back. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying you don't want those guys back, but that, it's a possibility that it could mess with some chemistry a little bit. Obviously, uh, we really want, uh, we're really hoping Austin Five can get back. Um, I don't know if you know him on a personal level at all, Ethan, but incredible guy. I really can't wait to hopefully see him back. Well, I think uh, when you, I have not, I do not know uh, Austin on a personal level at, at, any, at any degree, but uh, <laughs> I think when you look at it and you talk about bringing those guys back, that's where it's it's beneficial to have a guy like Coach Jake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. running the show because he's yeah. gonna, he, he's been through uh the sort of thing where you're getting a guy back from injury he's going to know how to work those guys back in in the proper fashion and i think it helps that austin isn't completely away from the team right now he's he's around the team the guys know him he's not going to be like oh who is this guy is just suddenly you know getting 18 20 24 minutes all of a sudden right and, and stealing time away from cole henry james betts it's the uh, same thing for nate too he's going to be around the team yeah and i i mean i think the biggest the biggest sign of of where this team is at right now is the fact that Trey Campbell was on the court as late as he was. That's a that's a freshman in his fourth game, and I, I think that's a, that's a situation that you probably want a, a Nate Heisey in the game, uh, and and you know you want Austin Fife down low at that point to get in, in in position for for the rebound when Trey Campbell jacks up that three, and and you can get an offensive rebound and you, you get a second chance opportunity, which is apparently something that you and I is allergic to right now. Yeah. That's opportunity. Who 19 points for uh grand Canyon today, as opposed to just zero for, for you and I, they at got, least they got, the, they got two. On okay. Chance, in uh, the Titan, first Titan, half, Titan got a Titan got a second chance opportunity in the second half. Sure. And Titan's been great too. Oh. I mean, double, double machine, these first three games, he's, he's gotten a double, double, uh, but you know, to add insult to injury, literally, uh, you know, you got four guys on your roster that you just, Pretty much can't play. Literally, you can't play Hunter Jacobson, ACL. Charlie Miller, a walk-on who's six feet tall and may very well have a decent career at UNI. Uh, Charlie Mamba Miller, he's a shooter. Chase Corbett, who has spent a lot of time on the bench due to injury and is just a little slow on his feet. He's still working on some of that. And then Ege Peksari, who uh, you, you mentioned you and I a little allergic to second chance points. Okay, Peck, sorry, a little allergic to defense. Um, so, <laughs> so Jeez, he's coming right after him. All right. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. He's he'll say that. I think he'll say that himself. Okay, has struggled on the defensive end. He was brought into you and I because of what he can do offensively. Yeah. And, um. So and, and the team called him out pretty hard in that uh, impre- impressions thing yeah. before the season. <laughs> Hunter, coach, coach. How do I play defense, coach? <laughs> that killed me. That was so funny, but. And this is a moment, too, where, as far as I know, they really only went after two guys in the portal this this offseason. 
And that's one of those things where it's like, man, you couldn't get anybody that they could come in and contribute. And it, coach, that's really not Coach Jake's philosophy is looking at the portal. He wants to develop guys, bring them up. And and, uh, and again, nothing against Coach Jake or, or against the guys on, on the roster, but having that level of experience and, and some pl- uh, players that, that have been there and done that before would help a lot right now. I mean, the transfer portal feels like you know it could be super advantageous for a team like you and I where they're needing to replace a ton of production. But if you're looking at it, you know, you're almost selling selling the future for the now. And I don't think that is the the right philosophy at all. Because you're looking at it, looking at all these young guys that are gonna be in the program for another, you know, two, three, four years even, they're getting a ton of chemistry with the guys that they're going to be playing with in two, three, four years. Right. And so you're looking at it, it's like, man, you know, you're taking your lumps right now, but this team is gonna be a monster next year. And you're hoping that, you know, you don't lose four starters in one off season again, like you did this year. Yeah. And you, you know, you get in an RJ Miller, you work him into the start the starting lineup eventually. And slowly, you know, you can kind of get uh, back to where you're, you're replacing two or three starters in off season. You're not replacing 66% of your production. And I think the COVID year is probably what did this to you and I, where yeah. you, you get a couple extra years and you you get recruits who want to play right away. So they're not coming to you and I piece like, Oh, you got Trey Burrow, Noah Carter, AJ green. I'm not going to touch the court for three years. I don't want to play there. Well, that's not the case now because the cupboard was basically, you know, the cupboard wasn't bare, but it was starter bare right at, at the end of this last off season. Yeah, coming in this this next season, Wes Rubin, R.J. Taylor, and of course uh, Kyle Pope coming in, and who knows, maybe all three of those guys could contribute next season. Uh, obviously, uh, really only going to be losing Austin Fife. Well, they're all signed Unless, now, so you can ask Coach Jake. Yes, I can. Now. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that. I said that, and then it was like, I can't take it back. My face got all red. I don't know if you saw I could feel my face get red. I, I just, I I just looked down question. right away because I knew it was about to happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Uh, Coach Jake was cool about it, though. Anyway, um, that is this episode of Corn Stock Sports Talk, you and I special. Uh, Ethan Petrick joining us today on on the show from uh, the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. He's a UNI beat writer. My name's Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Also, make sure you go follow Ethan. He and I are going to bring bringing you as best we can all the uh, UNI information um, on Twitter, both basketball, football, and uh, he's at Ethan underscore Petrick on Twitter. Ethan, thanks so much for joining, man. Yeah, thanks for having me down. Hey, folks, don't forget, before you go, make sure you leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube, like, drop a comment. What are you thinking about UNI basketball, UNI football, missing the playoffs, and and UNI basketball moving forward? We appreciate you tuning in. This was another week's episode of Cornstalks and Sports Talk. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.